not only is the national average dropped across the board, but Oklahoma fell even farther behind that, which is why it's so important to to have that in context. Because while yes, it's our ranking falling isn't great, it actually looks worse when you consider that the scores overall have also fallen. Welcome to Thinking on Lincoln, the podcast on 13th and Lincoln, talking about things on 23rd and Lincoln. I'm your host, Curtis Sheldon, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Haney and our producer, Lindsay McSparren. Ryan, it's been a minute. Good to be back. It is good to be back, and it has been a minute. It's hard to believe that the last podcast we did was the Grover episode, which was, a, was an awesome Doozy. episode. Yeah, that was nice. He was, he was really good. Love that crazy diamond. You sure do. Still, <laughs> <laughs> you're still in your rock phase. You're a... Uh, um Pink yes and, yes and no I'm I'm very excited about uh Tom DeLonge getting back together with uh Blink-182 oh, right. so I've been, been listening to their new single um is their new stuff good is it worth listening to uh I think it's good it uh they, they've, they've only got one new song out um you know I can't I can't recommend it in good conscience conscience because of the mm. of the language but sure. um but it's uh it's good otherwise and um the Turnpike Troubadour show is coming up uh, next weekend, so you know, wow. dusting off some of that stuff, which I never really put away, but I'm uh, very excited about that show. Yeah, I feel like that stuff doesn't age as much as angsty Blink-182 does, you know? That's kind of a that's true thing more so than a... That's true. Yeah, the the pop rock of my youth it was was quite... It was, uh, to use the, the kid's term, it was angsty, <laughs> and it was immature... And um, despite the fact that I have matured somewhat in mm-hmm. the last 20 years, I still enjoy a little nostalgia here and there. And so it's, you know, it's fun. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy that a band like that can, like Blink-182 can stay around for this long. I know. Like immature angsty music, which I, it's great. I, well, I, yes, I love I mean, it, but it's such a funny dynamic. Right. Well, I mean, yes. And I think that part of that is because, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think part of it is because people, you know, have you seen these studies where they say that whatever music was popular at a certain age, that is like there's a there's a formational period in in a like a young adult like a young person's life, and I think it's like 14. It's like whatever's popular when you're 14, is sort of like the music that you will associate like that you will like the most. Um, just because like that's like a, a formational period in in people's development and and it may not i may i may have the date wrong but it's it's kind of interesting research and so when you think when i think about i'm like well yeah man i love now i don't love all the music that was out when i was 14 years old sure but but you know whatever you were into when you were 14 even if it wasn't popular at the time like whatever you were listening to and really into that's like and so um yeah kind of like alternative music uh that i was listening to um as like a young teenager is sort of um, I th- and I think a lot of a lot of people were listening to that kind of stuff, and so, you know, as adults, they find maybe maybe a, it's like a guilty pleasure, but they find pleasure in in music that they listen to, you know, even if it hasn't necessarily aged all that well. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, Turnpike Troubadours definitely ages better, um, and uh, has always, you know, it's got its own nostalgic uh, feel as well because. To me, the, like the songwriting is so like quintessential Oklahoma 
like it reminds like when I listen to their music it reminds me of um, uh, like visiting my grandmother uh, mm. in southeast Oklahoma um, beautiful yeah yeah that red dirt stuff is I think yeah I mean obviously for Oklahomans I do, I do think brings very specific memories around we listen to Turnpike and uh, CCR the yeah. Oklahoma CCR uh, yeah. when we would tailgate we would we had a tailgate for our high school football games yeah uh, me and my like baseball group of friends would, like park our trucks like on the practice field and grill out and stuff before home games we'd play those basically on a loop the entire time now so now, let me ask you this so did uh, did you grow up an Oklahoma State fan or was uh, that like for the a, a most college part thing? no I did I mean okay. I not having lived in Oklahoma a lot I mean I bounced around because my dad's in the Air Force obviously but like yeah. I got here uh, and became an Oklahoma State fan like eight or nine so basically okay. it wasn't like I grew well, up ragweed is so like associated with Oklahoma State University that true I mean it, that kind of makes sense to me um, yeah I, mean, I didn't associate the two until I actually got to school though oh, I really yeah I just I wasn't again like I I didn't have like roots to Oklahoma State I just my friends were football uh-huh. fans I grew up a fan it wasn't until I went to college that I actually you know started to learn more about who went there and all that kind of stuff yeah well their roots their roots in Stillwater go go deep way deep so yeah. um, that that makes sense um, you know, when I was in college, it, it, the red the red dirt stuff was was still really popular. Um, like Pat Green was kind. I mean, even though he didn't really have any ties to OU, that was definitely I, that felt more like a. It's like it felt more like an OU thing, um, and and Ragweed was sort of like right below that. Yeah, that makes sense. Although my first Pat Green show was at the Tumbleweed in Stillwater. Ooh, wow! I actually saw him uh, at SPN. What I believe he was. In, Shut I up. think it was him. Was it? It was either him. Maybe it was William Clark Green. Oh, I bet it was William Clark Green. Now I'm lying. I went my first one in San Antonio. They had probably William Clark Green come okay. in to perform. I think I've always gotten the two names confused. Yeah, I've seen Peg Green a lot. Um, it probably was William Clark Green, so it's my my fault. He's still one of my faves. But yeah. Anyways, uh, speaking of f- formational years. Uh, <laughs> Nate Dude. test scores came in smoking it with the transitions yeah, doing my best okay. we're learning here uh, yeah Nate scores came in uh, about a week or two ago now Nate scores sounds mm. like, like yes what is that is like, basic that is the is that? the standardized testing for fourth and eighth graders uh, the nationwide testing that you can it's the most comprehensive way to compare educational uh I don't know if it's outcomes, but how each state's doing compared to the others. Yeah, um, and then the the cool thing about these scores, well, cool is maybe the wrong way to say it. Mm-hmm. So it stands for that it's NAEP, National Assessment of Education Progress, and I think the P is real important, progress, right? So or, or lack thereof, I guess, right? right? I mean, it could it could be uh, it could be you know the lack of progress, as the case may be or is, um, and so it's not just hey how are you doing it's how are you doing compared to the last time we did this and mm-hmm. how are eighth graders doing compared compared to eighth graders the last time how are fourth graders comparing to last time so it's not just right yeah it's a snapshot but it's also yeah a holistic look at where people are heading and this is all also based off of these scores that we're going to talk about um we're going to talk about proficiency ratings a lot and that's basically 
what these tests say you should be at for that grade level, right? So if you're at proficient, that means you're at grade level, basically. And the and sc- is that is that true for NAEP? Because with our own like the the school matrix that you and I look at for mm-hmm. Oklahoma, they don't quite define it that way. Um, where right. like uh, proficient or advanced is you know grade level, they say like you know anything below that is you're not on track for college or career readiness. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe but, that's a better way. To, I, yeah, it, it, my understanding was it was grade level, but maybe that's a better definition. Okay. Um, and maybe I know. I don't know. Yeah, I know from everything that I've heard, proficient is what they are expecting. That's what you're striving for as like a teacher. You want your kids to be proficient. Right. Um, that's the goal. Well, and what we can do, I, I mean, I will just tell people that, you know, I, I've not done a deep dive into into all of the data because there is a ton. The 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 website that has these NAEP scores for, for like for every state, right, um, has a ton of information. I mean, like it could take mm-hmm. you a long time to go through all of this stuff. But we will link to some of the articles we've written about it in the show notes. Lindsay, absolutely, make a note. Show notes. Um, yeah. So so that. You know, we've linked out to that, to the website, to some PDFs, and, and or I should say, Ray has linked out to those to mm-hmm. those things. So yeah, there should be. I hope we'll have an article coming up soon. But oh, really? What's yeah. what's this going to be? What's uh, your article about, about? It's going to be the NAEP stuff. Basically, looking at uh, NAEP scores versus outcomes. So looking at how much people are each state spending per pupil. Oh, I like that. Of, it's you know, you got your axis right. One's the score, one's the spending, and then looking at that to kind of show people it's really there's not there's technically a positive trend line. Um, like the more you spend, the better scores you do, but there's no correlation that actually proves that um, Utah is the perfect example. I think Utah is the lowest per pupil expenditure in the country. And they have the third highest NAEP score uh, across the board in 2022. And they're, they're consistently uh, very high. Wild. So, yeah. Just letting people know. Cause obviously when these came out, um, there's a lot of, well, before we get before to that, we should the scores first. Let's talk probably. about let's talk about what what the what the scores say. So, yes. what are the what are the score, what are the scores say uh, well, about for, for the for nationally? Uh, scores fell basically across the board. Uh-huh. Um, some of that can be expected, sure. As I think most people would assume, with not being in school very often in the last two to three years. Yep. Um, Oklahoma specifically fell a lot. Um, we interestingly enough, I think people have you know Oklahoma's been kind of beaten over the head with how poor our students are performing in education. But in 2015, we were actually near the middle of the pack in a lot of these test scores. We were between, you know, 25 and 30. So not, not horrible. Obviously I think you'd like to see those be a little bit better, but you know, eight years ago, it wasn't too bad for, for context there. um, So in 2015, we were 29th out of 50 States and DC in fourth grade reading. So like, like you said, middle of the pack, Mm -hmm. not great, but, but you know, average, right? Um, and now we are uh, in in twenty twenty two forty sixth, quite exactly. a drop. Yeah, um, eighth grade reading thirty uh, second, not quite as good as twenty ninth. Again, not fantastic, but a heck of a lot better than forty seventh in twenty twenty two. Math, you know, is is not any better. We were twenty sixth in two thousand fifteen, so like darn average. And now 40th, not as bad as 47th and 46th in, in reading, but um, still bad. It's quite, quite a drop. Uh, 41st in 8th grade math in 2015 and fallen to 46th. Yeah. So we, for whatever reason, in 2015, 
eighth graders were not doing math as well as fourth graders were doing math, uh, but still fell. Um, you know, forty first in in two thousand fifteen was not great, yeah. but and to give still some, worse. We're talking about rankings here, but to give people some context on Correct. the overall actual scores. So in twenty fifteen, um, I looked at the national average across all grades and all subjects was thirty three percent was at proficient the proficient level. Uh-huh. Oklahoma was thirty one, so still lower across all grades all about, subjects. But what, five percentage five percentage points. points. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, fast forward to twenty twenty two, the national average dropped to thirty, so uh-huh. it dropped from. 36 to 30, but Oklahoma is now at 22%. So now it's 8% below the national average. So not only is the national average... And that's for 8th graders? That's for all grades, all subjects. Okay. So um, not only is the national average dropped across the board, but Oklahoma fell even farther behind that, which is why it's so important to to have that in context. Because while, yes, it's... Our ranking falling isn't great. It actually looks worse when you consider that the scores overall have also fallen. Right. Um, So it's not looking super positive right now for so it's like most states are worse Mm -hmm. but we're more worse more worse (laughs) we're even worse yeah i hate to even laugh about that but of course it's it's rough yeah and i think um something i heard the other day i I don't know if maybe you you've got some kids they're learning how to read right now um i'd heard that it's really really important obviously to get kids reading as fast as they can but particularly you want them read you basically teach kids to read up to third grade, and then after that, they're reading to learn uh-huh. primarily. And that's why I think these fourth grade reading numbers are super important. Um, in 2022, again, Oklahoma's at 24% are proficient in fourth grade reading Yikes. compared to 33% in 2015. So that's almost a 10% drop. Yeah, and, and, and one third is not good. No, like 2015, certainly. Yeah. That was not good. A lot of but, room for improvement. But the fact that we're getting worse, you know, because, you know, the, the the proverbial saying there's nowhere to go but up like a third feels like there's nowhere to go but up but, but no there's room right. to go down yeah and Something's that kind of change. leads to my point i don't know if i mentioned the, the funding thing obviously people have been pointing no, out to that how that obviously we don't fund education right, right that's why i was falling um everything that i've seen shows that there is not a very strong correlation to funding and test scores specifically um by and large I have a graph here I'm looking at. I'm going to write an article about it for people to see a little bit better. But basically, the the average per pupil funding is about $14,000. Is that – okay, let me ask you this real quick because mm-hmm. I think this is important and it can't be overstated. Is that adjusted is, – is there an adjustment made for sort of like Cost of living. Thank you. Yes, yes, there is. Like, I, I, I'm that'll all be in the, that'll all be in oh, the article. Cool. So I've okay, done that. Good. Yeah. So Oklahoma does, but jump up quite a bit. I think we're the third or fourth cheapest state in the country. Okay. Um, so it definitely matters quite a bit. I think when you do the cost of living adjustment, we're around ten thousand dollars. We're a little below ten thousand um, dollars. And the most updated number I have for per pupil funding, mind you, is twenty nineteen. So. Our current number for 2022 is going to be much higher. We've invested a lot of money in education in the last three years. Well, and so is the federal government, right? Correct. So this number is going to be much, much higher um, when it comes out for 2022. Um, but when you make the adjustment, Oklahoma's spending basically goes up about six to $700, which is not nothing. Sure. Um, we go from being in the bottom, I think, three or four states to closer to the 40-ish mark, I believe. Okay. Um, but regardless, again, I think I... Utah specifically, I think I mentioned earlier, is the prime example. They're third in the country in test scores and all, all grades, all subjects. They're consistently in the top five, and they spend the least 
on education. Um, Why is that? By and large. I think there's a lot of factors. Um, I do too. The I think the culture in Utah, mm-hmm. obviously there's a heavily, it's heavily religious yep. uh, population, which and by I've and got, large. I've got a friend who is a regular listener of the podcast who would want me to note that it is mostly LDS folks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> in, case, in, case, in case anybody yeah. wasn't aware of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just thought that would yeah be a given, but uh, yeah, obviously I shouldn't say obviously it's, it's shown people who are attending some sort of religious service, which most of these folks are, they're taking it very seriously. Right. Also tend to have pretty close knit communities. Yep. They take education seriously. The kids growing up there are growing up in relatively stable households yep. that have a community. So there's a lot of outside factors that affect sure. education, which it's like uh, culture and family matters. Right. Shocker. Um, have you, it's almost like you've been reading my book, alienated. America. I have, I have, <laughs> I think I'm halfway through the last chapter. That's all I got left. Oh, nice. So we're getting there. Great book. It really is. I would love to get yeah, we'll talk about it sometime. to get Carney on the yes, podcast. Very yeah. Much. Um, but I think, yeah, a lot of the, what's in that book is basically playing out here. You see a lot of the, some of the things that affect these, t- and obviously people can complain about test scores in general. Maybe testing isn't the best way to show to me a better way. It. Exactly. Right. Like it may not be perfect. I admit, but sure. there's not really another way. Well, that's like, um, I, you know, I, a couple of years ago I was on this, uh, I was on a committee to, to recommend to the Oklahoma Supreme court, whether or not Oklahoma should adopt what's called the uniform bar exam. And there was this guy that that was on the committee with me, and and God bless him, he's a nice guy. But if, you know, he kept saying, "Well, I'm just not even sure that a bar exam is the best way to measure competence." And of course, like he may very well be right, but of course, that's not what we were there to discuss. It was only like it, like the bar exam was a given, and the question was like, which one were we going to use? And and I'm sort of sympathetic to that argument that like you know, competence is measured in the marketplace, uh, but like I, I you know. You know the pro- the problem with that is, once competence has been measured and found lacking, you've you've cost someone in a lawsuit, right? You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that's a that's somewhat problematic, right? And you know I'm, you know I'm sympathetic to arguments to get rid of getting rid of all kinds of occupational licensing, um, but anyhow, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, I, all we have to go on is scores, right? Like you could make the argument that like the, the whole competency thing. I think you to be able to be an adequate judgment of if someone's competent or not, you have to be very knowledgeable of the person, right? So I think it would make sense if we had very you know small, tight knit educational communities and like colleges were able to really under you know in today's climate, there's no chance you can have a better way a more coherent way of understanding if someone's competent or not than a test score did you just yeah i agree well you know and i was at i was recently at an event where someone brought up to me that well you know there are different kinds of learning and um you know i think her like brothers or someone that she knew well was sitting next to her and she's like you know he didn't do well in school but he's been you know successful like in business and in life and and I'm very sympathetic to that. Uh, I get that. There are different types of learning, you know, being book smarter, you know, if that's what you want to call it, you know, having a high intellect or whatever is different, you know, perhaps than having wisdom or common sense or good judgment. There's all kinds of things that lead to success. Now, on the other hand, 
We have compulsory attendance laws, which, you know, I sometimes have a libertarian streak, and I read Rothbard. I think maybe we shouldn't have those, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but we do, and so like if we're going to make kids go to school, shouldn't we insist that they're being educated? Because if we don't, and we just say, well, book smart isn't necessary, well then maybe we just shouldn't require everybody to go to school. Right. You know and what I mean? I wonder if that. I mean, you, you maybe you do sound libertarian right now, but I wonder if that idea. I mean, maybe this speaks to the whole school choice movement in general, and that we're maybe we are heading in more flexible direction in some of this. But we just spent basically two years with kids not. I mean, yes, they were required to attend school, right? But that meant going up to your room, turn the laptop on, staring at a screen for eight hours. Um, Obviously, the results weren't great for that, but I do think there's there. I think there's a, a push. There's some momentum to maybe rethinking the way we're doing things, and probably for probably for the best after seeing some of these results, it sounds like it, it seems like it's pretty clear that what we're doing is not working very well, especially here in Oklahoma. I know COVID was also an excuse used as why these scores dropped a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, but COVID was a nationwide thing, right? Exactly. And you, I think a lot of people, uh, understand that Oklahoma was a lot less restrictive when it came to their, it's COVID measurements than other States. I mean, Massachusetts ranks number one in the country in test scores uh, their scores also fell a decent amount, um, but one of the more restricted states in the country. Really, a lot of these northeast states have pretty good scores. Didn't see their scores drop quite as drastically. Um, obviously, some states it may be different, but for a state like Oklahoma to try to use COVID as an excuse when we had some of the least restrictive measures, obviously it may have been different school to school. Um, but to see Oklahoma's scores drop more than the national average when you would have assumed that we had less restrictive COVID um, regulations is strange. And to blame it just on COVID, you know, I saw someone the other day on Twitter like, well, these kids just survived a global pandemic. Yes, no doubt about it. Um, But at the same time, like not everybody dropped as much as we did, right? Like was the pandemic worse here for for kids? No. Um, You know, as Ray reported in his article, right? Like, uh, you know, private Catholic schools maintained their scores and their uh, their um, you know their performance. You know, they, they they were a part of the same the same. They were they were they weren't. I guess uh, insulated is what I'm trying to get at from the pandemic. Um, now those schools were less likely to shut down, and so that certainly helps, which I think is probably a like an argument in favor of not shutting down schools. Um, you know, so, you know, I don't, that just, it doesn't really hold a whole lot of water with me. Is it with you? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Just making sure we're on the yeah. same page. Was there any other, I think funding the COVID were the two that I heard the most. Was there anything else that you heard that was yeah, I see out there? I see a lot of talk about ACEs. Um, for, for folks who don't know, it's like kind of the hottest, it's like one of the big buzzwords now in the last several years, adverse childhood experiences, um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that Oklahoma is probably probably has a high rate of aces. Of course, the, the irony, right? And and I don't have like the list of all the aces in front of me. It's like I think it's a defined list. But you know, it like tends to be things that like you could fix with like an an emphasis on family and culture. But of course, like the you know government school cabal sees that as moralizing, and it's like, well, that looks like Christianity. You know, it's like we can't possibly. Um, tell kids that you know it's better if they 
you know, wait until they're married and have a job and steady employment to have kids because, you know, that sounds like that sounds like traditional bourgeois morals, mm-hmm. right? Right. <laughs> like we, and they might feel bad if they didn't, you know. And it's you know, we you know we've talked about this on on the podcast before, right? It's like it's I love the way um, is it Ian Rowe? Yes. And mm-hmm. AI puts it, it's not about the family you're from, it's about the family you're for, you form. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you have adverse childhood experiences, like you have the ability to turn that around when it's your turn to have your own children. But it's like we've we've gotten away from from this idea of personal responsibility and individual initiative, right? Yeah. Well, I feel like um, it's even it's gone further than that, right? Like we were we've basically been telling kids like you don't have a lot of control over what happens to you, right? Um, but now it also feels like the schools themselves are telling us we don't have control over how we prefer, like you know what I mean. Like the students themselves are being told maybe just give up. You don't have a whole lot of options because of who you are and where you're from. Now the schools yes. are telling us kind of the same thing. Like we're underfunded, therefore we can't do anything, or our, our students have all of these life circumstances. They get in the way, and they're also now making excuses for like, there's not much we can do. It just is what it is, almost. right? And on top of that, <clears throat> you and I know because you know we live in this in this world every day that there are private schools where we're seeing massive jumps in learning from the exact kind of kids who have these ad- adverse childhood experiences, right? So like, um, the kids at Crossover Prep at Cristo Ray at IGG up in the northeast side of Oklahoma City. Mm. Positive um, tomorrow's here in OKC. Exactly. Um, and then I, I there but there are there are others. I mean I, there's no need to name them all. Um, but we're seeing kids sometimes jump a grade level or two in a year and they're coming from some of our poorest communities uh, where aces are are high, right? Um, and so, you know, it's like I know people think that we're like beating a dead horse all the time. Like, oh, all you talk about is school choice. Well, it's like I'll stop talking about school choice when the the scores are better, right? right? Because you know you can talk about aces, and that's fine. We can talk about aces, but like, why are the kids at crossover who have a high, like you know, a bunch of adverse childhood experiences performing better than other kids? Right? Like, is there something mm-hmm. else other than aces that might go into it? Is it something other than funding? Is it something other than COVID? Yeah, I think it. I think there probably is. Yeah. Maybe the lack of competition I think the might have something to do. With is it. a really good example of this too. Like, if you want less kids to have traumatic experiences like that, educate them. Educate them because they're more. Like you said, you you form your family, right? So they may come from a background of some trauma, but that does not mean that they, in turn, will raise a family who also goes through the same trauma. Like they can, they have the ability to stop the cycle. They may not end up as a CEO of some Fortune 500 company, but they can have just as much impact learning how to read and to write and just do some math and then take some responsibility over their family and their kids now are set up for tremendous success in the future. hundred percent. All right. Um, anything else? I mean, have we, have we, have we talked about the NAEP scores enough? I think so. I think that okay. was about it's it. A, Did I mean, you... It's a big deal. I mean, like it's, it, it, it is, I think it speaks for itself. I mean, it's a big deal, but I think you hear the scores. I don't see anybody trying to, argue their way out of that these are acceptable you know what i mean like it's either blaming why they're so bad or people like us saying like this is unacceptable we need to make a change yeah and the worst thing i've seen um and it wasn't necessarily talking about the nape scores specifically but you know this the quote-unquote pastors for for oklahoma kids um tweeted out something the other day about 
you know, how parents feel about their local schools and their teachers. Like, oh, well, parents love love their local schools, and they're it's like, but you know, how parents feel about their local school really says nothing about what the scores actually are. So it's like, I, now I tend to think that it's kind of like everyone hates Congress, everyone likes their congressman or congresswoman, right. as the case may be. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Shout out Stephanie Bice, but. Um, you know, I think it's probably the same thing. It's like everybody knows the school system is not doing its job, is not educating kids as well as it could, but they still like their local schools probably because they know their kid's teacher personally, right? Like they go to church with them. They see them at the supermarket. It's like, oh, well, you know, they're really nice and I like them. And it's like – and that's fine. And they may very well not suck, right? But like, right. And, and they probably don't. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't like them. But the reality is, like, the system itself is not doing its job, right. and the and the scores speak for themselves. I also, I, I just, for someone like our pastor friend to be so anti-school choice, to, to say Quote-unquote pastor. Right. <clears throat> just doesn't make sense to me, because why are you so scared of school choice if everybody loves their school? Yes. If you give people the choice to choose their school, and you're telling me that they love their current school, then they're going to choose that school Word. still. So you. Yes, you can either argue that there's nothing wrong with the school system and the schools are great, or you can argue that school choice will shut all, down all the schools. You can't argue both. Right, exactly. Not logically, anyway. I no. mean, you can, I guess. It doesn't people, stop people, people do from it. trying. Um, it just makes you stupid. Boom. Um, do we want to talk about any... We've got the elections coming up next week. I know, obviously... I'm glad for it to be... I'm, I'm, I I'm looking wait. for it to be over. I want less ads See, the, <laughs> the ads... <laughs> Don't necessarily bother me. I'll be honest. You enjoy. You like to get uh, riled up every once in a while. Well, you know, you would think that, but um, it's funny. So I was talking about this the other night. I I got redistricted. Okay, so I'm I um, I was redistricted out of Representative Bice's district and into Representative Lucas's district. And my guess is, I guess because he probably doesn't have a particularly competitive race, I've not really seen any Lucas ads. Maybe like one or two. Mm-hmm. But you live in Bice's district, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, are are the are the ads as prevalent as they were two years ago? That's actually interesting. I have not seen a single Bice ad. I don't believe I, I've gotten a couple mailers, and I had gotten some texts for the primary. Like the primary, I saw some. Okay, uh, I haven't seen a single one. Interesting. For this, it's all been uh, either governor races or just Biden stuff. Uh, yeah. And so I'm just I'm really just eager to see how it pans out. I don't yeah. I don't care. I mean, look. Ads bother me, whether they're political ads or ads for like you know some prescription drug, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. So like, I, you know, I'm probably more interested in the political ads than I am about you know um, something for. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the, the uh, some of the big like pharmaceutical mm. ads that I get. Right. I mean, there's diabetes commercials every other day. Yeah, and then there's commercial. yeah. I mean, it's just like stuff that like I've never heard of. Uh, oh, COPD is a, a big COPD, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like fibromyalgia. Yes, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know uh, shingles and whatnot. Mm. And so you know it it makes it really makes no difference to me whether they're political ads or, or ads for for pharmaceutical companies or for you know the latest show on. On Hulu or whatever. Yeah, I think I annoyed Mariah a lot because I was complaining about just all the ads um, a little too much, and she was like, "Just mute them," which is what I started doing. Every time there's an ad now, I just mute it and I wait. E- I just get on my phone, which maybe not be better for my like mental health. Most but. so most of the ones that I see on YouTube, I can skip up to about five seconds. True. Well, I don't. I'm not like looking at videos. I just like mess with my phone for a minute while the ads muted, and then I go back to my show. Um, okay. Yeah. Interesting. What are you watching? 
Oh, handful of things. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing some letter Kenny shout out to Canada. I don't know if anybody, uh, I don't know how to explain this show. Of course you're into some weird stuff. It's not weird. It's hilarious. It is really stupid. Um, it's just super like sketch type. Uh, it's basically a small town in Canada, letter Kenny. Um, you have your Hicks, your hockey players, and you're basically drug addicts. It's it, this is gonna sound like an awful, awful pitch for yeah, the you're, show. You're really selling it. It's hard to explain. I've never watched it <laughs> like that before. I found it a few years ago. It was on Hulu. Okay. Um, it's actually blown up amongst like my demographic. At least I know about ten people who have now seen it. Okay. It's got ten seasons on Hulu. Does um, it have? Um, oh, okay. So Jim's dad from American Pie, his son in real life. What's his name? Yeah, whatever. I'm not sure. I wasn't. He's in a lot. Of, I wasn't I think allowed to watch Pie. I was too young. I think he's in a lot of Canadian uh, comedies. It doesn't have. As far as I know, it doesn't have anybody who was famous before it. Um, they actually started making just like silly YouTube videos, and like their sketches okay. got popular, so they turned it into a show, um, which then blew up on Hulu, basically. Um, and now he's actually got a spinoff of one of the characters on okay. Hulu as well. Oh, it's Dan Levy. Is Dan Levy in it? Here, Kali, was take a favor to pull up. Oh, yeah, I know who that is. Uh, he's not in it, no. Oh, okay. Okay, so Dan Levy's no. not in it. From Schitt's Creek, okay. Yeah, yeah. Eugene Levy's so, son. A lot of that. It's basically either Letterkenny Sports and then actually watching a lot of game shows, the Game Show Network. What? Just, we have YouTube TV, <laughs> and it's... Okay. I like to yell at the screen when I know the answer before the other person. So what, what game shows do you like? Uh, America Says is great. I'm, I'm only going to relate to like the 60 and old... 60 year old and above probably america says is great i've never heard of america says. uh it's basically family feud okay it's just like different feud. uh it's got uh, what's his name john michael higgins i think okay i don't know that. he's have you seen pitch perfect uh i and saw the first one so you know the judges it's uh elizabeth banks and then the uh-huh. guy yeah yeah, yeah. The guy. That's oh, okay. him. he's the host okay, okay. Um, yeah uh do you like do you like wheel of fortune i do i it's not on there it's like oh, all okay. the silly ones it's like the oh, okay. you got america it's all these like basically word okay games uh, yeah i, I really if I ever win on Wheel of Fortune, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a riverboat gambler. Okay, Ooh, Curtis. So yeah. like, I would never buy a vowel ever. Because okay. I'm not taking away, I'm not, I'm not taking away from from my money to buy a vowel. That's mm-hmm. silly. And even if I can solve it, I'm gonna keep spinning. You're gonna risk it. Yes, I'm gonna risk bankruptcy and keep spinning, and uh, but, and, and get those well, get those consonants. Doesn't it? Doesn't solving the puzzle though give you bonuses? I well, I don't know, but. I think if you, I think you, I, can still, I think you still solve it. It's just like right the risk of getting bankrupt or skip your turn. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate the idea. I kind of respect it. Thanks. I'm more I of a risk averse gambler, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, what can I say, it's man? Exotic. It's like to, it, in my mind, you're playing with house money, right? It's like it's not as though I'm you know risking any money that's actually in my hands already. So that's the way I look at it. That's fair. But for that reason, I, I'll probably never be on it. Because I think they, I think they, I don't know how, a friend of mine who went to Oklahoma State was on yeah. the uh, Big 12 edition, you know, because they oh, go yeah. and do like yeah, the yeah. college tours. Uh, and she was, she was on like the Big 12 edition of uh, 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 Wheel of Fortune. We, uh, my old high school, like our sports radio guy, mm-hmm. he was on it with his wife. Oh, cool. um, they actually did really well. They were doing great. They were winning basically the entire time and then they got bankrupt, I think, and lost everything. But yeah, they were doing really well. Um, how it works man yeah also had some people from high school end up i'm on, starting to uh, think it's rigged probably um i don't know if it's what's the other murray and then you know like the 
the talk shows where people fight on them. I can't remember. Oh, like a Jerry Springer? Jerry Springer, yeah. I had some, I also had some high school uh, classmates of mine end up on that as well. <laughs> Thanks. Of course you did. I, yeah, go eat it, man. <laughs> go find some. Um, yeah, I, I watch, uh, so one of the things I've been watching on Hulu, where uh, I should say a couple months ago, I watched a couple episodes and it was like, the dark side of the nineties. I mean, like I'm a nineties kid, right? Yeah. So like, um, there were, um, it's all about like so Afghanistan well, or something. No, there was, there like, there was a whole episode on like Springer, mm. um, and just like how outrageous it got and how like kind of gross it got, you know, it's like oh, yeah. taking pleasure in just watching train wrecks and how they like, you know, they, you know, it's like, that's what they were going for. You know, I mean, obviously hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was another part about like hip hop culture and how like, you know, hip hop really springs up, but then you have all this violence like with Suge Knight and, and mm. all that, you know, yeah, um, yeah. uh, Tupac, baby. Tupac. Yes. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was kind of interesting. Um, and I think those are the only two that I watched, but there were some other interesting looking ones on there. Um, but it was, it was kind of interesting. Are you more of a, a kind of a documentary guy or more of a show guy? Uh, shows, uh, my wife and I have been watching uh, an old, not I shouldn't say old. Um, it, it's it's called Elementary. It's like a modern day Sherlock Holmes. Um, with uh, Lucy Liu is in it yeah. as Watson. And oh, then, I've seen. And I haven't watched it yet, but I know you're talking about. So you know, I really like those kind of like you know they're you know forty five yeah, the forty five minute uh, Who Done It kind of mm-hmm. things and uh and we, we we like that and then i like sitcoms and stuff like that. yeah see that's why i don't just watch a lot of tv because I, I was never a he- i like the office but outside of the that office i was never a big sitcom guy for the most part oh i love brooklyn 99 i this still really like frazier frazier's like an all-time great i don't think i ever related to the shows i just like to me it felt like i'm watching a somewhat amusing version of like real life which didn't I'd rather just like go outside and do something. Interesting. Or watch well, something like you're more better, fantastical. Better I, oh, I don't know about that. You're a lawyer. I'm just a. <laughs> I got a bachelor's. Yeah, you're definitely a better man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, this, you know, good episode. Fun, fun catching up on on on. I hope hope everybody out there, you know, was actually interested in, in what we're watching on TV. But yeah, give Letter Kenny a try. I promise. Letter Kenny is it, and it's on Hulu or mm-hmm. Hulu. Yeah, man, I don't know. I'm gonna have to convince the wife of that. So, and and you did not do a very good job of selling no, it I didn't. here. So, I'll do more after this is over. I'm sure everybody <laughs> wants us to end it. All right, man. Take care. All right, see you.